1: Welcome to the See You on the Other Side lockdown. But I tell you, it doesn't have to be uh, a negative thing. And we're still having fun um, no matter what. And uh, we're going to try to lift everyone's spirits today by telling <laughs> the happiest ghost stories we know. And so today, of course, um, joined by Wendy from the See You on the Other Side podcast as well as uh, Scott Marcus from What'sYourGhostStory.com, and Uh-oh. my sister, uh, unfortunately, Allison hey!
0: <laughs> And so, well, She's quarantined up at the Ice Planet Hoth, it looks like. That's right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Things are growing great over here. You know, we're just uh, ripping open animals and sleeping inside of them, just like, you know, normal.
1: Yeah, nice and cozy. <laughs> yes. right.
2: nice and moist.
1: You know, when you guys were looking for happy ghost stories, you know, to talk about today, um, did you find it difficult at all to find like ghost stories that were fun or happy or anything like that? Does it seem like most people, um, the stories they tell about ghosts are scary or did you say there's, there's plenty of happiness to go around?
2: Well, I, I wanted to say that, that I consider all ghost stories to be happy. And here's the reason why. So amidst all the foibles and, you know, the tragedy and the travesty, if life goes on in some way, that's happy, right? You know, if mm-hmm. people escape this mortal coil and go on to an afterlife, that's happy, I mean.
3: Unless the afterlife is not such a nice place.
2: Well, okay. <laughs> you know, it might not all be like like uh, unicorns and sunbeams and rainbows, but it's life. And where there's life, there's hope. So if there's an afterlife, I'm all good. You know, even if terrible things happen to you in life, you know, if there's a continuance, and if you learn from something from it, I think it's a positive.
1: Oh, that's a really nice way to look at it, Alison. I, you know, different religions too seem to have uh, like some afterlifes. Of course, heaven's the big one that obviously everybody wants to go to heaven because it's an eternity in paradise. Um, but then other afterlifes like the Greek Hades, always seem like a downer.
2: You kind of yeah, go there, everything's stu- great, but they had the Elysian Fields, right?
1: Right for the heroes. So, right, it would give right. some you know people a reason who uh wanted to uh die in battle or whatever get to go to the Elysian fields but um Scott and Wendy, when you guys were looking for um ghost stories did you find it easy to find happy ones i I do think that's pretty easy i you know
0: i 've got the the l a huntings uh, ghost mm-hmm. tour. Are uh, the the now the Hollywood American ghost walks, um, and I, I feel like the ma- vast majority of the locations, especially along Hollywood Boulevard, are really positive stories because they involve people that loved a place in life and they they want to come back to it and keep enjoying that place. Uh, we'll get into detail, of course, but um, like Valentino alone. He has seen it like a dozen places in L.A., another six in New York, and another one or two in Italy, and his dog haunts the Calabasas Pet Cemetery. And uh, so this is a, a guy that died young. So, so yes, yes, we, we kick it off with some sadness, but we got to break some eggs. But he, conti- he was a partier. He loved to go out and socialize, and he's been able to continue to do so after death. So I think that's super positive and fun to talk and about. And you're
1: talking about now, you're talking about the actor Rudolph Valentino, and yeah. people might recognize him from what blockbuster mega hits
0: oh the sheik everybody uh the sheik um uh what was it was the dance of the seventh veil something like that uh i, I you know Ooh, i can't yeah. name more than oh there's a <laughs> the four horsemen and of his, the apocalypse everybody's heartthrob
2: rudolph valentino i mean still even the bangles were singing about him in the 80s <laughs> nice yes
0: yeah i mean he was and you know his most iconic character was the sheik and he was the biggest, uh, one of the first male sex symbols. And that is why we have chic condoms, because it's named after this uh, romantic character from the 1920s, uh, back in the
1: silent era. Yeah, we can thank him for those ones that break all the time.
2: <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Allison's like, I, I oh, was come on, that always a different for her. I with that.
1: <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Wendy, did you find it hard uh, to find some happy ghost stories or did they just pop off the page for you?
3: Well, I found that it was actually easy to find uh, like fiction ghost stories for children that were happy. Okay. (laughs) But not so easy to find actual experiences people had with ghosts that were like, you know, made you feel good. Okay. (laughs) So maybe, maybe it's just more fun. Maybe people prefer the stories that are spooky or I don't know, but just in my searches of the internet. So that doesn't mean sure. there aren't plenty of other positive experience things. And I've certainly met people um, at conferences or, you know, the places on on my ghost tour and things like that where people tell me they think someone, a loved one that's passed has visited them and, you know, they've experienced hearing
1: or seeing things. And those are always kind of touching and positive <laughs> All right. Well, let me kick off the story today with a happy story of a firsthand account that I got when I was uh, visiting uh, Puerto Rico in December of 2018. And the only, um, the only tip that I got about this particular location, uh, which is the Gallery Inn, which is on Kaya Nasgaray, and it's it's right on the it, it's it's right on the ocean. It's overlooking the Atlantic Ocean, overlooking this you know big field on over the ocean. It's really a beautiful place. It's in Old San Juan, and it's uh, it, it kind of looks nondescript on the outside. And I just I saw somebody like in a in a San Juan Puerto Rico employment forum post something that like the dishwasher said it's totally haunted. Like, so that was all I'd gotten about that particular location. And so I wanted to go in there and see if they did have any ghost stories. And so immediately you walk in, and um, what was funny about it is that there's, I thought it was a, like a, a statue of a parrot. It's this gigantic, I mean, the thing must have been two feet high. Um, like, I thought it was just this parrot on this tree, uh, like inside this veranda. And I'm like, oh. That's a pretty cool statue of a parrot. And then it's like, hello. And it started talking to me. (laughs) And I'm like, all right, then. So it was a real parrot. Um, So just to go over, it originally was uh, like six intertwined townhouses that were Spanish military residences built in the 1700s. And so uh, they eventually just became like regular houses. um, But an artist, uh, Jan D'Esposo bought the place in the 1960s. Now she was born in Connecticut, but she spent time in Puerto Rico as a young girl with her uncle who used to work for their governor, uh, Luis Munoz Marine. I always say it wrong, but they named the airport after this guy. So he's like Puerto Rico's most famous governor. And she returns there in the 1960s with her husband, Manuco. And they worked for a long time to renovate the place. They turn it into a hotel that has art in every room. Um, And so that's that's why I thought that's why they call it the Gallery Inn, because there's art like unique, you know, sculptures and paintings and and stuff like that in every single room of the place. So no
2: Velvet Elvises.
1: No, definitely. That is not a place for Velvet Elvises. That is for sure.
2: Darn. I would love a room with a Velvet Elvis just to go on the record.
1: Well, maybe you can request it. Uh, you can, and they can do that for you in advance. Anyway, the hotel bar is called the Cannon Club, and it really is a, like a quirky, one-of-a-kind place. And the ocean view is spectacular, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's pretty sweet. And so even though the building is three centuries old, most of the ghostly activity isn't from the Spanish soldiers, but from Manuco, the deceased husband of the owner of the inn, uh, Jan D'Esposo. She's still alive. He never left the building because his ashes are still in his old office. They're in in an urn, I think. They're not just ashes (laughs) out everywhere. But when we talked to the bartenders at the Cannon Club, they mentioned that they've seen him in his former office sitting in his chair. And they thought it was weird that, you know, they're like, is somebody in there? And then they walk in, and there's nobody in the office. So they see him from outside the office sitting there, and then they walk, and he's not there. And there's a piano in the bar in the Cannon Club, and sometimes the people hear music when there's nobody playing the keys. And they think like, oh, they're, like, they're in the other room. They're like, oh, you hear the music? Somebody must be playing the piano. And they go in there and it's nobody uh, playing the piano. But they say the usual footsteps, shadows, and the feeling of not being alone come along with the job description at the gallery inn. But nobody feels threatened or scared because Manuko was a popular and friendly guy when he was alive. And they think that he's just checking in on the building uh, that he worked hard on and he shared it with the love of his life for 50 years that they had uh, worked there. And I thought that was a really happy ghost story. And I was excited um, walking in because you never know when you talk to people that work at a place, like what they're going to say when you say like, Hey, uh, is this place haunted? Or like, I heard there's ghosts here. And um, the two girls working at the bar that night were uh, completely, they were like super excited to tell the stories. They're like, Oh yeah, someone's going to believe us finally. And uh, they talked about, seeing manuka through the place and how they they always thought he was a nice guy when he was alive and he was always friendly and, they, you know, a beloved character. And so, uh they enjoyed seeing him after he was gone. And even his, you know, his wife had seen had seen his spirit in place a lot. And they said that she felt comfortable with him there, that he was just coming in for a visit and it wasn't anything scary at all.
2: That is a really positive uh Story that you know he's he's lingering in the place that he so loved in life, so it makes sense. And you know, now that you talk about that, Mike, I mean, I have a lot of stories uh, in Milwaukee that are like that. Like, I'm thinking about the Milwaukee Public Museum, for instance, and um, they are haunted and have been for the last 50 years by uh, their former director who uh, was the director of the Milwaukee Public Museum from um, 1959 to 1969. And um, he was a very, you know, exciting, uh, interesting, idiosyncratic kind of character. And he is still experienced throughout the building. And not because of, you know, some terrible thing uh, that occurred there. I mean, nothing terrible happened there. Um, But after his death, he just came back to this place that he loved in life. And he was quite a prankster in life. And he's still a prankster today. So um, I love stories like that where uh, people seem to live on and, you know, continue um, to express their personality.
1: Sure. No, I think I think it's great. And um, I, I thought it was really cute that the girls were excited that we wanted to talk about it. Um, they were. I mean, probably they're probably also really excited because I had um, bought a, <laughs> bought a whole bottle of wine, um, <laughs> and so like, all right, these guys are gonna be here for a while <laughs> drinking.
2: So we'll fill his head with a lot of stories.
1: Yes, right, and but you know it worked, and now um, I've got a story that uh, we can tell people on the uh, the tour in Puerto Rico. Um, all right, well, who? Who wants Who wants to tell a story next, Scott? You had teased us earlier with uh, stories about uh, Rudolph Valentino, and I think we want to hear more about the famous Lover.
0: Oh, um, well, let's see. I mean, I, I guess one of the more uh, again uh, popular and famous ones involves the Knickerbocker Hotel, which is on Ivar just. Uh, less than a block north of uh, Hollywood Boulevard. And this place has its incredible history. There's a lot of, honestly, there's a lot of darkness and sadness there as well. But gosh, where do you even start with this place? One, one of the places that makes this a an important location just in the history of all things paranormal is that this is where Bess Houdini held her rooftop seance on the 10th anniversary of Harry Houdini's death, uh, trying to make contact. So that will always be uh, just an important part of spiritualism here uh, history. But yes, Valentino would be seen in the lounge of this hotel. And it was said, much like Resurrection Mary in the south side of Chicago, that you could dance with him all night long, maybe not even realizing that you were dancing with this famous specter. And uh, the funny thing is that in life, as the story goes, he would ride his horse down from because, you know, obviously the the, the great romance uh, hero rides a white horse from his home in the Hollywood Hills down to the Knickerbocker Hotel to uh, to then have martinis and tango the night away. Um, but it's that he would get so sloshed on martinis that he would eventually just slump his body over his horse and the horse being the best designated driver in the world would walk home as he's passed out on his back. So, an interesting thing though is that Valentino, uh, he passed away early from some uh, internal stomach complications that didn't, uh, he went into surgery and didn't come out of surgery. Um, he died before the Knickerbocker was built. So, there's no way that he could have actually been dancing here in life. So, we wonder is the story, one, is the story taken and accidentally moved from a different hotel that was popular at that time? Or is it true that? He is still dancing here in this location, which is now um, uh, like an apartment complex in a retirement community. So you can't really go in and explore, except that there's the best restaurant in the world on the first floor. And that is actually where the, the lounge used to be. So you can actually still go to the place where Valentino is seen. Um, so, it, But is this a place that Valentino, it opened after he passed away? And Rudy was like, well, I have never checked out over there. So let's let's head this way and and see what the the vibe is like. So maybe you can still uh, visit new places after death, too.
1: Oh, nice. Well, and if it's the greatest restaurant in the world, obviously he wants to give it a nibble. (laughs) Um, Oh, okay. We had a couple of people comments from the peanut gallery. Bart says, we only hear the bad ghost stories, yeah. and it's nice to hear some positive ones. Hi, Bart. How you doing? <laughs> Bart is a proud See You on the Other Side podcast Patreon member. Um, so shout out to uh, B-Art Woo-hoo, and woo. rock on, my man. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Stephanie says, awesome. It's ghost story time. <laughs> how you doing, Stephanie? Um, she used to be the Milwaukee ghost tour guide. All right. Yeah. And so, Oh,
2: yeah. Stephanie. Yes.
1: Yes. So it's nice to have a visit. Yeah,
2: and I'm hoping to get her back um, this summer.
1: That'd be great. She's awesome. Uh, And she is awesome.
2: So, uh, uh, Wendy,
1: you up to tell a happy ghost story next?
3: Yeah, well, uh, I guess there is a happy-ish ghost story from the Waukesha tour that I do. Yeah, happy-ish.
1: Doesn't have to be perfect. Um,
3: But actually, before I get to that, I wanted to just point out that, first of all, I love ghosts that play instruments. (laughs) <laughs> like the piano you were talking about? Because that yes. that, is a, that does conjure a nice feeling of someone, you know, even in the afterlife,
1: continuing to do what they love to do. Unless they're playing the theme song, The Westworld, <laughs> which is super depressing. <laughs> so if they play that from the Beyond the Grave, you don't want to hang out with them. And so, or Baby
2: Shark, because they're just trying to kill uh, you then. You know they're pure That's evil. torture.
3: That's just, yeah, It's not yeah. right. It's cruel. It is cruel. So where are you going to haunt Wendy and play? You're
1: going to haunt somewhere and play a, a drum I was set? just going to
3: say that, you know, if anyone has trouble sleeping at night because they keep hearing random drum solos, <laughs> just just saying.
0: Well, that reminds me of the Natatorium in Amarillo.
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good one, actually.
0: So we were uh, driving cross country and uh, it, it, the Natatorium, it used to be this public pool. Um, but then and then it got... Um, floorboarded over, uh, became, I think, a roller rink for a little while, but then it was ultimately a dance hall and concert venue uh, for, like, the big band era in uh, in Amarillo, Texas, and today it's uh, an antique mall, so it's just, like, chalk to the brim with old crap, basically, for people to buy, and and, and there's all sorts of activity at this place, but one thing that happens, which I would, uh, I so want to experience this, is in the middle of... Just clear out of the blue, and I can't imagine how many how much people jump, but they'll hear a drum solo emanating from the stage <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I think right. maybe I don't know you'll have some company in the afterlife
3: <laughs> well, I mean, that is unique because you do hear a lot of stories about the phantom piano playing, sure, and I've right. heard of violin music also we another place we visited where there's a grave site with a, yeah. a monument of a young girl holding a violin. People claim. At certain times, you could hear violin music near there, but uh, the drum set one I thought was especially unique. <laughs> yeah.
0: So shout out to Chelsea, uh, another my. Patreon, who's the right person that gave us the the lead on Oakwood Cemetery, Elmwood Cemetery yes. in Centralia, yes. Illinois.
3: Yes, violin Annie, the statue that is there. So, but yeah, just getting back to the the stories of people either remaining in their daily routine, kind of just as a friendly presence. Um, There is a a ghost Mm -hmm. story from Waukesha that people report seeing at at a bus stop a woman who she's waiting for the bus, basically, but they'll see her and then, you know, kind of look away and look back and she's gone. And there hasn't been a bus to pick her up (laughs) in that short amount of time. So and it kind of coincides with a story of a woman who was killed near that area that was a regular at the bus stop. and. Just kind of a friendly presence, just continuing doing her daily thing. And so
1: people see that specter uh, from time to time. You know, Allison, you had uh, a pretty happy story uh, from the Miller Caves in Milwaukee, didn't you?
2: And yeah, I, remember, so-
1: I remember when you got this story, um, weren't, wasn't that one of the days of the Chicago Paranormal Convention in like 2015? like you had Ooh. gone to the Miller Caves in the morning and then you'd driven to... Um...
2: Oh, yes. um, I, I had that story for a long time, though. But, uh, yeah, in 2015, uh, the people at Miller embraced the history and did a little video and even did a paranormal investigation that night of the Miller Inn and the Miller Caves, um, which is in downtown Milwaukee. And um, it's a place uh, where uh, people regularly tour. And there are these caves, uh, these limestone caves, in uh, the complex, which used to be used um, from about the mid 1800s uh, to 1906 to house beer and keep it cold when they didn't have modern refrigeration. So. Beer. Uh, these huge limestone Sorry. caves were used for refrigeration. And uh, back in 1955, uh, one of our big, uh, our former big newspapers here, the Milwaukee Sentinel, had a special edition uh, just for Miller, just for the 100th anniversary of Miller Brewing in Milwaukee. Uh, and so in 1955, they have the special issue. And it had all these stories about Miller and Miller history. And one of the stories uh, was a famous ghost story that uh, takes place or took place. I di- didn't know at that time when I just found the newspaper article that it was still taking place. But um, so I found this article and I thought, wow, this is such a lovely bit of folklore. And it's so, you know, it's a it's a love story. And so it was just irresistible to blog about for Valentine's Day and my Milwaukee Ghost blog one year, you know, back in the 2000s, sometime, I blogged about it. And um, the story, here's how it goes. So there was a young brewery worker working at Miller, and uh, he had this paramour, this girlfriend, um, and... During one hot summer... Listen
1: to you, Paramore. What are you writing I know, about right? here?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, i talking breast. about Valentino, so I got to bring out the vocab, right? So okay. anyway, this, um, this uh, brewery worker has this lover who um, is this you know, beautiful young girl. And every Saturday night during one hot summer, they have a tryst where they will meet uh, in front of the Miller Caves... And they will use the Miller Caves as as their love Whoa. palace. So <laughs> oh, yeah. they were frolicking amidst the casks. The and, and their their affections bloomed <laughs> and sparked in the lantern light. And uh, so they were just having a great time among these huge casks of beer and you know, maybe some of the cask leaked. I don't know. You know, there could be a little bit of a leak there, uh, you know, just to just to keep everybody lubricated. I'm not sure. But but anyway, they had a great time in the cool air of the caves. And so they use this as their little love palace uh, for the summer. But then one Saturday night, the uh, young girl is waiting patiently uh, outside uh, the cave uh, and her lover doesn't meet her. And she's waiting for hours and hours. And she returns home only to find that he has been in a terrible accident. She finds out that uh, he was working one day in one of the caves. And he uh, tripped and fell on uh, one of the staircases and hit his head. And so, of course, she ran to his bedside. And he would never Mm. regain consciousness. So... It doesn't start out happy, Hmm. but, you know, where there's a ghost story, there has to be some death. (laughs) So then um, (laughs) he dies, and she's at his bedside, and the old timers would tell that she actually would die soon after as well. That winter, she passed uh, due to a broken Hmm. heart. That is oh. sad. And so yeah. this was the story that they would tell about this this terrible accident that occurred at the brewery in the Miller Caves. And then they said, you know, soon after those deaths, they would they would see that that uh, subsequent fall and summer, they saw this this woman in white, a, a luminous figure. Mm-hmm. They would glimpse her sometimes standing in front of The Miller Cave entrance um, on Saturday nights, and are you sure I didn't just see
1: the lady from the Miller High Life sign? Yeah, I know, right? Or whatever.
2: (laughs) Yes, but ghostly and in white. So anyway, this was the story, and I was like, "Oh, that's so charming that you know, there's still this this you know woman waiting for her lost love, and it's pretty sad, right?" But. Then um, what was happy to me is, well, first of all, I heard from the security guards, of course, after I blogged. They were like, well, stuff is still going on. You know, that's that's a cool story and everything. But, you know, oftentimes at night when we are doing our rounds, you know, uh, we will see figures. And one guard told me about she saw a, a woman – Um, On her rounds, and she would hear that woman like speaking uh, sometimes loudly into her ears. And uh, there were other uh, security guards who actually chased a male figure um, down the hallway one night. They thought, you know, somebody had broken in. So, what they tried to do is head him off at the pass. So, uh, one security guard was chasing this. So called intruder, you know, through the hall and towards a door. And then on the other end of the door was another security guard waiting, and that area is all fenced in as well. So they thought, well, we've got this guy cornered. But so the security guard that was chasing this guy saw the door open, and the security guard on the other side saw the door open, and then there was no one. <laughs> So, I mean, that was pretty fun. But my favorite is that um, other employees who help run the tour had told stories that after the brewery tour, they are, you know, just making sure that, you know, all the tour guests uh, get to the Miller Inn to have their complimentary beverages and, and leave the cave area successfully. And... Uh, at one point, one witness, um, actually, uh, she was an employee there, and and she quit her job after this because she spotted a couple in the corner, <laughs> macking on each other, and uh, she was like, "Oh, hey guys, the tour's over. You know, this way to the end to have some free brewskis," and then they disappeared awesome. in front of her eyes. So. It's possible, and there are enough reports. You know, they have to be
1: dead if they're from Milwaukee and they're passing (laughs) on free beer in order to disappear. (laughs) Like, you know that they're obviously dead.
2: They're obviously dead. But, you know, the cool thing is that um, it seems these stories seem to point to the possibility that these uh, two ill fated lovers have found each other again in the afterlife and still frolic through the Miller caves uh, and Aww. do what they will. So I think that's that's really a pleasant story. Um, Some 40 and
1: fornication.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I'm not sure about that, but they sure do like to, to kiss in the corner, so... Um, I think that's that's kind of sweet. And it's interesting to me because at first, you know, like sometimes when I find stories, you know, I can watch myself go through different reactions to the stories. Like initially when I found it, I was like, oh, this is some cool like folklore. And it's great that Milwaukee has this type of folklore just like other cities. It's kind of legendary, kind of sweet and sappy. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. There's – something being experienced. And I thought, well, maybe it's residual because of all the limestone and the stone tape theory and perhaps, like, some of what happened there is encoded Their in the love was so rock. intense. Oh, uh, that's the stone... <sighs> right. That's the stone tape <laughs> right. theory. That's just replaying, like, a record. But then when well, you hear... Well, that's not like
1: a record. That's like a porno.
2: <laughs> but when you hear about the... But the security guards and their uh, interactions and uh, it seems like communication attempts um, on the parts of the spirits there, then it doesn't seem residual at all. It seems like an intelligent haunting. So uh, my my mind has, has changed about what's going on there and... Uh, it seems to be maybe two intelligent spirits, that, again, lingering in a place that they loved in life. That's
1: sweet. Right. Together.
3: That is, that is yeah. a happy
1: story, Allison. Had to go
3: through the sad yeah, to get there, my, though. Uh,
1: but. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, like somebody had to
1: die, obviously. If,
2: if, if you're going through hell, right. keep going. There you
1: go. That's right. And maybe you get heaven on the other side. You know, I've got a pretty happy story from Madison. And uh, this one I think is interesting, uh, specifically because it's from my social study, my high school social Ooh. studies teacher. <laughs> and it's funny because I was looking for some different ghost stories at, of North Hall of the University of Wisconsin. So I was, And I'd gotten a couple of ghost stories about North Hall um, from like the 1800s. And I'll tell that in a second. But then I, I was looking through like the University of Wisconsin magazine for uh, like the alumni magazine. And they have a, uh, like readers could send in their own ghost stories. And so one of the ghost stories is from a security guard. And as I'm going down, it says, like, Tom sabatki And I'm like, oh, Sabatke's not a very common name. And that's the name of my high school's teacher. And so I looked it up. Absolutely, it was from him. And so I just thought it was an interesting thing because he never sounded like he was interested in ghost stories when we were probably in American history class because um, it probably just didn't come up. But the fact that he had his own ghost story and that he got it into the... Uh, alumni magazine. I thought that was a lot of fun. So let me give you a little background on North Hall. It was the first building at the University of Wisconsin, and it opened up in 1851. The famous naturalist John Muir, the founder of the Sierra Club, lived there in 1860 while he worked his way through college as a young man. He even describes his first botany lesson under a tree outside this hall as the inspiration for what set him, quote, flying to the woods and meadows in wild enthusiasm, unquote. In 1880, North Hall was a men's dorm, and strange figures were said to have been roaming the halls for years by that point. In the student newspaper that year, uh, it mentions a student waking up in the middle of the night in his second-floor room. As he entered the hallway, he saw what was described as an apparition in white. He ran back to his room to grab his roommate, but when they went to investigate, there was nothing there. Later, when they fell back asleep, they both woke up when they said it entered their room for a moment and left. And uh, after that, the ghost was seen in different buildings on campus over the next few nights, skipping through the halls and vanishing and wearing garments of unearthly whiteness. I thought that I was unearthly white, right? But uh, I guess not as much as this guy. And so after that, John Bascom. And the, the hill that actually universe, uh, that uh, North Hall is on is called Bascom Hill. This is before it was called Bascom Hill. He hadn't had anything named after him yet. But John Bascom was the university president, and he decided to get together some faculty and investigate themselves. So the president of the university did a ghost hunt. That's cool. In 1880. But... Uh, a little after, a student named Samuel Whitney Trousdale had confessed that he was the spirit dressing in a bed sheet oh, and romping through no. the holes. <laughs> in addition to being excellent with bleaching his whites, Trousdale would later go on to become one of the most influential Methodist ministers in Wisconsin. But when you look him up, you have to go to the Wisconsin State Journal in 1888 and he talks about his, quote, ghostly confession, unquote. So we get to my, my teacher uh, we we'll go back to March 1983, and so we're you know, getting the Wayback Machine. March 1983, Allison, uh, you were 13 at the time, so you probably had. A, do you have a jean jacket
2: yet? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. You, I don't remember a lot about that did, time. Like, did you have
1: a perm yet?
2: <laughs> I, I'm sure um, I had a perm. So I'm, sure had, I'm sure yeah, I love yeah, I'm jacket. Burt
0: Reynolds. Yeah. Sure. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> and <laughs> Burt Reynolds, she was a big fan. Burt Reynolds.
2: I never liked Burt Reynolds. March
1: 1983. Now the security officer is making his rounds at around 3 a.m. Obviously, the devil's hour. And he sees a heavy fire door open by itself when there's no one there. As he continues down the hallway, he feels like someone's traveling with him. The air's moving. The temperature drops. And he said um, he used to work at Wendy's.
3: Yeah,
1: and not not our not our Wendy's, but Wendy's with the hamburgers or whatever. And he said that (laughs) he right. He said the temperature drop was like being at the meat locker at 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 Wendy's. Hmm. Wow. (laughs) And so, right. So that's a serious temperature drop. At first, he's afraid to tell his coworkers about the experience. But when he finally actually tells somebody from the maintenance crew, if you know, And he kind of coaches it as, have you guys ever seen anything you know, weird around here? He said they were all like, oh, yeah. So you've seen the ghost now. Nice.
2: Oh, they, wow.
1: They told him it was a political science professor who died late one Saturday night of a heart attack in 1956. Uh, he worked in room 412. And sometimes he's seen following the workers uh, down the staircase uh, if, if they leave his like, office door open. After they're done cleaning or whatever, they've seen him come down the staircase and have to go back up and like close the door, or they saw like they they see him um, like walking through the hall like past the custodians mopping the floor. So the next night, uh, my teacher, this is a security guard in 1983 when Allison had a perm, uh, was working in North (laughs) Hall again, and he approaches room 412 and he says, "It's just security, Professor. All's well. Good night." And he said he never had an experience that was scary again. Um, he even that's so, awesome what's funny is that in the letter to on wisconsin magazine he even writes in he says i would send an affidavit to this story's veracity wow so like right now you can't even get people to like attach their name right. to something when they see a weird light in the sky he's like i will sign an affidavit to its veracity i mean probably because like he's not worried about losing his job because i think he's retired I <laughs> think he's retired
3: now well that's when but, the good um, ins- that's when the I good stuff comes funny. out though that's always right. After people retire, got to talk to your elders. There's nothing to lose. So. Yeah,
2: <laughs> your elders are all all have the uh, great stories, and they remember history. So talk to your there elders. You, go. you have a lot of opportunities to do that now.
1: Mm-hmm. I just thought it was interesting. I just thought it was funny um, that I'm looking through, I'm like, oh my god, that's my teacher. And then the funny thing is, the I think I Facebook um, messaged him or something, and I saw him again. That he was having some kind of because So he's, I mean, my old social study teacher, he was like the head of the teachers union at, in McQuanago where we grew up or whatever. And so um, he was a little, you know, a little to the left of Chairman Mao. And <laughs> we saw him, I saw him Facebook arguing with uh, one of our past guests, Scotty Roberts um, over some political thing. And oh it was just like a boy. really, it was a really funny. I mean, Scott is just a nice guy. They're both really nice guys, <laughs> but it was just a funny thing that they knew each other. They were actually having a very civil discussion on Facebook, which I was surprised at. But the fact that my old teacher had a ghost story and knows a guy who we only know through ghost stories and paranormal stuff, um, made me feel that, uh, it's a small world after all.
2: It's a small world after all. <laughs> and you were criticizing
0: baby shark earlier.
2: Oh, I know, I yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna torture you, people. Okay, so I have to interject here, though. I have to tell a story about John Muir that's supernatural and positive. It has a very happy ending. Ooh, so you're right. talking okay, so about, about it. John Muir, who's who's very a uh, very famous conservationist, and he originally came from Scotland, but he um, grew oh, up. Oh, yeah, I'm, he I'm here to conserve some birds he grew up in Wisconsin and became like kind of this cool like weird inventor guy like he reminds me of um, Wallace from Wallace and Gromit like some of his inventions like he had um, an invention that would wake him up in the morning by like catapulting him out of bed that's actually (laughs) an invention that that is (laughs) is um, you know described through animation in one of the Wallace and Gromit cartoons so that's uh, you know, when I picture John Muir, I, I, I picture Wallace. Anyway, so he um, would live in Wisconsin for a while and go to the University of um, at Madison. But then he left, of course, for uh, the Sierras. And um, he is quite famous for um, getting um, Teddy Roosevelt to establish the national parks uh, by getting to him to go hiking and camping with him. They had to have uh, an armrest the
1: didn't they? Can't you just imagine, what? like Teddy Rose? like, sure, I'll do it, <laughs> but you got to beat me in a, you know, beat me in a set of fisticuffs.
2: That's right. But anyway, John Muir was a big Scottish guy, so he was ready to put up the Dukes. You know like, what I mean? You'd like um, a Glasgow
1: kiss, would you, Teddy? <laughs> yes.
2: So they understood each other, kind of like Klingons. But anyway, so uh, he was in his first summer in the Sierras, uh, just walking amongst the trees one day, and he he got this message in his brain, just out of nowhere, like something that had never happened to him uh, before, that he, he got this message in his mind that his old professor was down in the valley and in distress. So... He followed that crazy notion and just looked all around the valley, which is, you know, a vast area, and then finds his professor who was quite elderly at that point and decided to take a walk through the Valley, but then, you know, got lost and a little bit injured and dehydrated and was wandering around aimlessly. And so he found his professor, his old professor from um, uh, UW Madison and retrieved him and took him to safety. So (laughs) I mean, This was really bizarre to think that John Muir is just walking around among the Sierras and gets this psychic uh, message beamed into his head. I love that. Love it. And then he went out there and saved his professor's life. This is actually in, uh, John Muir wrote about it in his biography. So um, it is a true story and a, a very weird one that he didn't know how to explain himself.
1: I love it. And that's a, that'd be great. We make sure we uh, tell Lisa that one. So when she does the UW campus tour, she can also tie that in to John Muir, who had a, you know, a vision, you know, the majesty of nature on Baskin yeah. Hill when he was sitting outside North Hall, eventually had a right. real vision that saved his professor's life from the University of Wisconsin.
2: Right. I'll send her that today after we get done.
1: You know, th- th- the thing is, the thing is, is that people don't understand about the University of Wisconsin is that all alumni are psychic.
2: Oh, is that Mike?
1: So, yeah, so Wendy and I can read your mind.
2: uh Oh, I, um, I better stop thinking about that. I was going to
1: say Wendy I can read your mind. So, uh, oh my gosh, whoa, we are no longer friends. We are no longer friends.
0: <laughs> well, I, I do okay. so on the idea of, of helpful spirits. Uh, a short one. Uh, Joyce yeah. Heiser is a uh, somebody I know. She was the uh, the lead actress in just one of the guys that like. 1980s kind of rom-com teen comedy and um she i remember was, just one of the guys yeah, yeah just one of the guys she was one of the guys uh, the uh, the <laughs> yeah. kind of sort of guy and uh she grew up in the new england area in this old old house and one day she was on the second floor uh just on her own and somebody heard a, a knock at the door and uh It took her a while to realize that, oh, gosh, I'm the only one at home. i got to go answer that. So she goes running on this uh, hardwood floor and slips on the top step. And she just banana peels as she's running down the stairs. And she said she finds herself literally upside down falling. uh, Nightmare. Assumingly about to break her neck. And she feels two hands grab her by the shoulders. Two phantom hands grab her by the shoulders, pick her up. And set her back down on her feet at the base of the staircase. Uh, she said a ghost saved her life. And oh, wow. What? Yeah. So there are oh, good awesome. protective spirits out there. We can say guardian angel, ghost, whatever you want to say. It's something paranormal saved her life. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs>
2: And I mean, that's the most comforting idea of all, I think, is that, you know, just like in the spiritualist church, hey, and guys, the spiritualist church still exists. Um, You know, people just think of, you know, spiritualism in the, you know, 19th century, but um, spiritualist churches are still there today. And, you know, they believe in lots of the standard Christian dogma, but they also believe that, you know, these spirits of those who have gone before are still with us. And many other cultures, um, like uh, I was just in Hawaii, um, many other cultures share that belief that the spirits of our ancestors um, are still there protecting us and still, you know, <laughs> watching you in the shower, unfortunately, but also ah. there to save your life when you need it.
0: Sorry, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why you got to put on a show, you know?
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. like, they got to see something interesting. Come on. It's eternity, people.
1: I wanted, to, I wanted to bring this up when Wendy was talking about haunted instruments. And this isn't necessarily a ghost story, but this is more of just something that I thought was neat, was that uh, at NAMM, in 2016, NAMM is the uh, National Association of Music Merchants, and they have a big convention in Anaheim every January, and that's where they show off like the newest kind of music technology. In 2016, I went there and uh, it had like a modern update of a player piano. And it doesn't sound like a player piano like in the old West movies. Like It, um, it was this beautiful sound and the keys were moving and everything. And I, I, I even blogged about it on the See Another Side blog because I thought it was so interesting that what they did was there is a Canadian jazz pianist by the name of Oscar Peterson, and that player piano recreates twelve of his performances exactly like he was playing it in front of you. There's only a few of the instruments in the world um, that they built to do that, and so, like, they recreated his performance perfectly. They recorded him, um, you know, doing a, you know, doing a piece, and like the, like how hard he pressed the keys, you know, every every single thing was captured perfectly by the piano, and then it can play it right back for you exactly like how he did so when we talk about the stone tape theory recording something that you know the walls can record things like a like a vinyl record you know they've done that now in real life with computers right so when you're when you're listening to uh that piano you are listening to the ghost a digital ghost of oscar peterson playing you one of his final performances So um, just you made me think about that when when you were talking about it, because I was like, oh, yeah, like, uh, you know, the phantom drum solos or whatever, like we can we're going to have those, you know, I think of all of the you know, think about all the if Neil Pierre ever played a V drum set, like they can go back and like the, the MIDI recording, you know, it's a it's a perfect recording that they can recreate on any other instrument then. And so that's something cool. I always think uh, the piano ghost
3: stories are interesting, too, because there's so many different ways of the piano like manifesting the sound. In some stories, people hear a full song being played, um, like up in Penbine, where we were at the Four Seasons uh, up in Penbine in northern Wisconsin, actually almost northern Michigan. uh, There's a place that has a story about a phantom piano music being heard, and there is a piano But uh, what they hear is, like, you know, they hear music from the next room or in that room, but it's not... The keys aren't moving. So it's just the sound that's being, like, replayed somehow. And then in other cases, you'll hear of ghost investigations where they'll actually, like, see the key moving or something. And then in other cases, Uh, they'll they'll hear the strings being hit inside the piano, but, you know, the keys aren't moving. So it's just interesting how spirits find a different way to...
1: (laughs) To share that
3: sound, yes.
1: Well, you know, speaking of a ghost investigation, uh, Bart just said, he's like, uh, automations and automatons are awesome. Uh, he's like, like the ones at Wisconsin's own, House on the Rock. Ooh, now, I think yes. House on the Rock is a place where we should do a, a ghost investigation that sometime. That would be cool. Uh, yes. We'll get you Neil know. Gaiman to join us, and it'll be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. All right, who's got another happy ghost story for
0: us? Here, I, I'll do one more. Uh, this is from my book, Please so it's a Chicago area one. Uh, I don't know if anybody's ever been to Cavalry Cemetery in Evanston, but it is just one of the most beautiful cemeteries, in, in I don't know, that I've ever been to. Um, shout out to Charles Comiskey, who founded the White Sox. He's buried there. Uh, but yeah. it is just a very grand, it's kind of like a, a Graceland Cemetery or a Rose, uh, Rose Hill Cemetery, if you know the Chicago area, where it's kind of, it feels more like a museum of amazing. Um, history and uh, just funerary art, uh, but one one person that is uh, apparently resting there is someone that is not buried there. How, may you may ask? Hmm. Oh, <laughs> yes.
3: How? do tell? How so we're all
0: all asking <laughs> in the uh, in the area WW two. The, uh, the Navy used uh, Lake Michigan a lot for all sorts of different training exercises, since it is such a huge, vast uh, body of water, including they would have these these kind of makeshift, if you will, uh, aircraft carriers out there to train pilots how to land and take off on that small of a runway. And I was able to verify that, indeed, this is something that took place out there at that time. And, of course, your training, not everybody is going to stick the landing uh, and unfortunately, there were casualties people that pilots that are still in their planes uh, interred in Lake Michigan. So for a while, after apparently one of these people uh, passed away this way, people would see uh, a, a spectral form of someone struggling out in the water like they're drowning, they're trying to get help and they would sink down, wouldn't see him. and then eventually, they, he would reemerge uh, crawling up the, this rocky shoreline of Lake Michigan, and then he would walk up and across Sheridan Road, which is a four-lane street, a uh, fairly busy street, and cars would stop or swerve to get out of the way, and then he would get to the gates of Cavalry Cemetery, and he, this was usually in sunset or later, uh, so the gates would be closed, and he would just pace back and forth until eventually uh, fading away. Well, as the story goes, this was a very regular uh, occurrence uh, in this area for a while after uh, this person passed away until one night the groundskeeper forgot to lock up and he left the gates open. And the the aviator or Seaweed Charlie, as some people have nicknamed him, had never been seen since that time. (laughs) So he's never been seen since that time that the gates were accidentally left open.
3: Oh, no. So
0: it's like he oh. was able to finally go into the cemetery and find Free. his own peace.
1: Aww. How many times, though, did he have to, like, um, <laughs> did he have to cross the road? So, like, did he, was it, like, Frogger? You know, yeah. imagine, like, crossing a four-lane <laughs> highway. Like, every time he, some, he got hit, uh, the ghost got hit, he had to go back wah, to wah, the wah, sea wah, and wah. start again. Oh,
2: It is eternity, Mike, so.
1: Yeah, he's got nothing right. but time. What's the rush? No, that's, that's like Tantalus though uh oh no that's like S- who's the guy sisyphus. that had to roll the boulder sisyphus yeah. and, the, and, the, and the rock to roll it up the hill
0: well he rolled it all the way up
1: <laughs> yeah he made it to the end that's the that's that is a happy ending because he finally his torment or whatever of being stuck in the water he finally got out and uh, made it into his eternal grave
0: and you know just from a theoretical standpoint let's say because you know this could be folklore. Uh, allegedly, there are scores of witnesses that have seen this through the years, again, a while ago. But, you know, you, you think of ghosts like, well, they can walk through walls and they, you know, they, they're they not bound by these physical limitations. But first off, we don't know the rules. We, we just think we're guessing here. Uh, but also, right, maybe there is something special about this this consecrated ground and the, if the gates are closed, well, that's a spiritual sign to just stay out for right now. But uh, fortunately, he was able to get in.
1: Ah. Good for him. That's nice. Um, Bart also mentioned the Eastland disaster. Yeah, and he's like the Eastland that lost 844 passengers. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and I responded at least because some estimate uh, estimates have 888 or more. We don't really know because so this is uh, this uh, was taking place in the 19 teens. I'm I'm a little bit uh, fuzzy at the moment, but uh, yeah, it was supposed to be a cruise ship that would take all of these. company people and their families on this trip to michigan city indiana and it was a very long narrow steamer and as people were getting on you're you're releasing ballast to try to keep the boat balanced and eventually and we don't really know what it is there's different theories but for some reason something happened on one side of the ship that got everybody's attention so they all rushed over after a lot of ballast has been uh released so the The ship just rolled over right there while it was moored in the Chicago River and not that much water, but a lot of people were below deck. And so, I mean, people that were on the surface, they maybe didn't know how to swim and people passed away there, but uh, untold hundreds of people were below deck and then the ship filled with water and they could not get out. So yes, we have uh, an unbelievable amount of loss of life in that one space. And it's really amazing because today people observe um, sometimes screams or again like residual hauntings of people asking for help from the water. Uh, one thing that I find fascinating is uh, Harpo Studios. A lot of places were set up as makeshift morgues, and Oprah's Harpo Studios was one such place.
1: And before was Oprah Harpo, was before, the well before was, <laughs> Oprah was the first one who jumped in to save lives. There we like, go. Let's just let's just be what clear. What can't she Oprah's do? like. She's like, you don't drown it, you don't drown it, you don't drown it. A, life preserver, drown.
3: Uh, a yeah, life preserver you a life- for you. A life preserver
1: for you. You get a life jacket. You get a life jacket.
0: <laughs> but she apparently, and I, I still need to find this, but she apparently did a Halloween special that talked about ghost stories, and they did an in-depth look at the hauntings there at Harpo, including what people would hear is, Hundreds upon hundreds of people slowly walking through the halls when no one was there.
1: Oh no! And
0: it's theoretically a residual haunting, not of anybody dead, but of survivors coming to try to find this. is oh, God. We, You know, we're not. We, we've strayed away from the uh, the happy ghost say, stories here. We'll
3: end well, on
1: a nice feel good story
3: about the hundreds of people drowning, <laughs> yeah. and not being safe.
1: Don't to they, be saved. But I, I remember hearing about the Harpo, like on the original Chicago ghost tour with Richard Crow. Like he mm-hmm. talked yeah. about the, the ghost stories at Harpo Studios. Absolutely. The the Eastland disaster makes me think about the Lady Elgin that you talk about in the Milwaukee Ghost Tour, Allison, but that also isn't a happy story, right?
2: No, no, no. It's it's not not a happy story, but I can can reroute us. I mean, we (laughs) never uh, really talked about the Milwaukee Public Museum um, and their happy ghost story, um, which, of course, admittedly starts out sad. We had our own Indiana Jones here before the a uh, character of Indiana Jones was even imagined. Uh, there was a man um, named Stephen Borhage, and Well, actually, uh, I was... want to take
1: that back, about, about that the character of Indiana Jones was even imagined, because I think that Steven Spielberg said that he got the inspiration for Indiana Jones from a character that Charlton Heston played in, like, The yes. Greatest Show on Earth. And the only reason I'm saying that is because I And wonder, what year was that, Mike? Like, 1951.
2: Okay. All so, right. Well, you pre—you may precede me then.
1: No, the only reason I wanted to say that though is I wonder if Stephen Borhage was also influenced by that film and that's like Charlton Heston and the adventurer look and stuff like that, and that inspired him in his own life. I'm not, I was—I was likely was just-
2: because um, he was a Baron from Hungary, so <laughs> um, he actually he actually fought Nazis um, on horseback and was an avid fencer. And then later became an archaeologist and came to Milwaukee and was the director of the museum here from uh, the Milwaukee Public Museum from 1959 to 1969. And he had a a thick uh, Hungarian accent um, and was quite an unusual character. He was like our Indiana Jones in a way because he would travel all around the world um, retrieving artifacts uh, for the museum. And um, he also had a lot of idiosyncrasies about him. Like uh, upon meeting a woman, instead of shaking her hand, he would elegantly kiss her hand. And he would not do that for the next
1: couple of weeks, folks.
2: Yes, no hand kissing or.
1: Face touching. Other, you know,
2: social distancing, people. Social distancing. Right. Don't but, give but them the old anyways, Miller Miller so, Caves
1: greeting. Yes, he <laughs>
2: would. He would kiss their hands. Um, he would also, um, instead of wearing a winter coat, he he favored wearing a long black uh, cape. That would stream behind him. So he was a very interesting personality, and everybody really loved him at the Milwaukee Public Museum. And even though he was a baron, everybody just, you know, he's 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 Baron Stefan de Borhegi, but everybody just called him Steve. And Hungarian
1: um, barons. They're just yes. like us. Right, guys?
2: <laughs> right. So everybody just called him Steve, and he was a joker. But then... Unfortunately, fate intervened, and he died in a uh, car crash on his way to work um, in uh, 1969, September 26, 1969. On his way to work, he perished in a car crash. So that's not very happy, but soon after his death, his ghost was experienced at the museum And uh, at first he was experienced on the elevator where the elevator was mysteriously uh, returning to the third floor where all his collections are housed or the fourth floor where he had his offices. So it seems like he has this uh, supernatural work ethic where he keeps returning to work. But uh, for him, it was a joyful place. And he also, as I mentioned, uh, would play pranks on people, so um, the security guards will um, often report, you know, hearing like laughter from the third floor, the third floor mezzanine, and they will sometimes report uh, smelling um, pipe smoke, which he was very fond of, you know, wearing tweed blazers and smoking a pipe and. <laughs> You know, as, looking as you very do. professory, as you did at that time. and um, But they'll also see a dark figure um, rushing by on the third floor wearing a long black cape. And uh, there was actually someone who was a contractor at the museum who was contracted to uh, make a replica of a stone Mayan wall. And, of course, that took a lot of work. I mean, uh, to fit the fit the fiberglass um, in such a way so it would uh, be a good model for uh, the incredible Mayan stonework of uh, history. So... Um, He was putting those stones up and he he got to the last stone And he was just so happy to stand back and survey his work That he he left and he took a little break and then he came back And that that stupid final stone was on the ground And he was like, well, maybe I was a little hasty I'm going to take some more time with it Make sure I really get it fixed in the right way this time And then um, he was happy with his work. It was, uh, you know, the end of the day. He left for the night. He returned early in the morning, though, before the museum would open to make sure everything was just as he had left it. And, of course, he found that that final stone on the ground again, at which point he screamed out uh, in just consternation. I mean, he was really upset that for some reason that that final stone would not stay affixed. And as he did that, he heard this um, uproarious uh, laughter uh, coming from down the hall um, on the third floor mezzanine. And of course, he thought that maybe it was one of his co-workers playing a prank. And so he marched off uh, looking to give this person a piece of his mind. But it, it wasn't I mean, current coworker, anyway. Um, he he went around the corner and he saw this um, shadowy figure in a long black cape laughing at him. And as he stood there, you know, paralyzed with with fear, watched this figure. Um, well, this figure turn and uh, pass uh, this ornate uh, gold. Case with artifacts Golden artifacts in it And as this figure passed uh, The corner there um, He saw it dematerialize And you know this is something That this person will remember for the rest Of their lives So you know certainly uh, Something is going on there Um, Other security guards have uh, Reported that um, Certain um, Motion sensors will go off And they will they will follow the the uh, motion sensors as they trigger and then of course nobody's ever found triggering those motion sensors so apparently Bor- borheya is still with us and you know still with us in such a way that that he likes to get people's attention and play pranks on them and and have a good laugh so even from the beyond um, he's out there enjoying himself and uh Spending more time in the institution that he built and loved in life.
1: All right, well, way to way to turn that around, Allison. From um, <laughs> the uh, you know the countless death in the Oprah studio to Bart. an exciting Indiana Jones ish Milwaukee ghost. So good job, right?
2: Life goes um, on.
1: Yes, I'm bringing I'm bringing that around, and I think that takes us uh, to the end of our happy ghost stories episode and now if people are interested in hearing some more of scott's stories where can they find that info scott Uh, what's your dot com is the best place to go and allison if people want to read some of your writing i mean if they really want to um where would they find you
2: well, I mean, they can they can definitely uh, take one of the American Ghost Walks tours when they begin running again. Um, but they can uh, find my writing um, on uh, the Mysterious Universe website. But also watch some videos. I've been places. I've done videos. Um, I put them up on YouTube. And <laughs> oh, I'm also doing oh, she's interviews. done videos. <laughs> hey, I'm also yes, I've done videos. Thoughtful videos, Mike. Something you should try once in a while. All right, fair enough. Dusting off that noggin. But anyway, check those out and check out my paranormal interviews at uh, youtube.com slash Mothman.
1: Ooh, that sounds like fun. And Wendy, where can people find our fun
3: paranormal songs? Oh, you can find them all at othersidepodcast.com. There's uh, 288 episodes to listen to if you're bored, if you're sitting at home and curious about the paranormal. And every single episode has an original Sunspot song at the end. So you can check that out or you can also check out sunspotuniverse.com
1: and uh, find the full Sunspot catalog. Sounds good. All right. Well, um, I hope that everybody has an awesome week. You know, I think we should probably do this again before the lockdown ends because it was a lot of fun. And next time um, we'll have a different theme for the ghost stories and we'll bring you some more fun paranormal stuff uh, from American ghost walks and see you on the other side. Also anybody interested in taking a American ghost walk. We know they're not running right now, uh, and you know that makes Daddy sad. <laughs> but they are coming back soon, and uh, we got a deal right now that every ghost walk is fifteen dollars. What? And that that you can you can use them. Yes, unbelievable. Every ghost walk is only fifteen dollars, and that even includes the locations that would be more expensive. But that's uh, a bargain. The price in Wisconsin is twenty, but if you get them now, you can use them anytime in the future and for any tour. Anywhere that American Ghost Walks runs for $15. So just want to say it's kind of a good deal. And AmericanGhostWalks.com has a little thing that says buy gift certificates where you can find that. So, Wendy, you had one more thing before we sign up. Yeah, off. I just
3: wanted to say that if anyone has a happy ghost story that they'd like to share with us, and then uh, we can, can share it next time, or I guess it doesn't have to be happy, but mm-hmm. if you have any <laughs> unique <laughs> stories of your own that uh, we'd love to hear them. So feel free to send those to us either through the See You on the Other Side Facebook page or us individually on Facebook, since that's where you're watching. Or uh, email us at show at othersidepodcast.com, Twitter at other side Talk. What else? And, and of course, yeah.
0: Patreons can tell us directly at that's the next right. Google Hangout.
3: Yes, which is coming up very that's soon. Right. Yep,
1: that sounds yeah, good. Yeah, and we
2: love all your ghost stories, um, be they horrible <laughs> and... Sad or happy, because all ghost stories ultimately are positive. Because you learn something and you remember someone, and they're fun. I think ghost stories are positive because they show you that you will be remembered. You will not be forgotten. Yeah,
0: and connecting us to history is oh. always oh, a beautiful Unless
1: thing. Unless it's too. a ghost that wants to kill you.
3: Well, there's that.
1: Or you if wait, it's, it's <laughs> dr- a drummer
3: ghost that's just playing drum solos <laughs> in your ear all the time. <laughs>
2: Well, there are exceptions to every rule.
1: Perfect. All right. Um, Well, thank you for everybody who joined us in the live feed. Uh, We had a really good time talking for you, and we'll do it again soon. Check out Scott, com, Wendy and I at com, Allison, you can take her ghost dot MilwaukeeGhost.com, and she wrote a couple of brilliant tours right there, and you can find her writing at MysteriousUniverse.org. And we'll see all of you guys on the other side. Ghost stories are often meant to scare and shock, and those are awesome, but they don't have to always be that way. As Allison said, ghost stories mean there's an afterlife, and when there's life, there's hope. So for this week's song, we wanted to play the heaviest, meanest song we could think of with the nicest lyrics we could think of. So here's Sunspot with Happy. Happy.
0: listening to today's episode you can find us online at othersidepodcast.com until next time see you on the other side
3: before we sign off completely i want to take a moment to thank our patreon members who make it possible for us to produce this show And an extra special thanks to Dr. Ned, who is an executive producer of See You on the Other Side. He contributes to the Patreon at the level that he gets this extra shout every single episode. And we truly appreciate your support, Ned. And we appreciate all of our Patreon members. Thank you so much. If you'd like to become a Patreon member, please check out OthersidePodcast.com slash donate. And you can be part of the fun, too. Take care, everybody, and
1: have a great week. You know they have to be dead if they're from Milwaukee and they're passing up free beer in order to disappear. Like, you know that they're obviously dead.